Welcome to the Scotty Mac with Cheese podcast. One of the busiest guys in South Louisiana right now, and that would be Dr. Josh Eaches from WBRZ in the Weather Center. So there's uh, not much for you to do uh, these days, right, Dr. Josh? No, you know, yawning, dog days of summer, hot. Yeah, you know, just kind of get to work, kick back, put my feet up, and uh, <laughs> wait for the newscast to start. Yeah, you know, just and read the same forecast from yesterday. Uh, yes. R- real quick, I know, I know, uh, you know, we're just kind of joking around, but we have a situation with two systems affecting the Gulf. Right. Well, Laura has been the system of the two out there that uh, really, since the onset two, three days ago, we've had a, a pretty good amount of confidence in, in track and intensity. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, okay, it was uh, my bonus daughter. I don't like stepdaughter. My bonus daughter works down in New Orleans. And uh, I told her that I was going to be doing a podcast with you. And she asked me to ask you any chance of these two storms you know, I guess she watched that movie one too many times of becoming yeah. a superstorm. It is literally the most popular, most asked question we've had in the last two or three days. And I've seen, uh, I guess, the, the enthusiast has begun floating a term around social media called the Fujiwara effect. Now, this is a real thing. Uh, however, the correct interpretation of it is when two storms get close enough, and it, it actually it's kind of fringe whether or not these two storms will be close enough to interact. But if they are close enough to interact, they tend to just move in tandem. The steering winds aloft and then the opposite winds that they'll exert on one another will cause them to kind of parallel one another. um, And they'll kind of ebb and flow in the same direction. If one happens to be much stronger than the other, it will simply kind of rip apart, shred, absorb the other, but the net result will not be one massive storm, a bigger storm, or a stronger storm. It would just be one goes away and one benefits from the extra moisture from the old weak storm. Oh, okay. So it's not like what you see in the movies. It is not the day after tomorrow. Oh, that's what I was trying to re- <laughs> I was trying to remember the name of the movie. Um, so let me just talk to you in general about 2020 itself in the yep. weather department. Uh, we've already talked about how crazy it is that we've had this many named storms in this period of time. Have you seen anything like this before? Well, I mean, 2005, which was a really bad year, as we know, in Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, it was the Rita year, Katrina, Wilma, all along the Gulf Coast. So, and believe it or not, that was that was my first year of meteorology school college. So uh, it was when I was really getting into tune to this stuff. And and I think uh, even though I was just starting into my career, that would have been the worst year I've ever seen. I think most historians and tropical meteorology experts agree that was the most devastating hurricane season on record. And we went well into the Greek alphabet. Now we are on a breakneck pace this year. We have beaten many of 2005's records in terms of reaching each letter uh, quicker. However. The storms themselves have been much weaker. There's a a metric we use called accumulated cyclone energy or ACE. And the total ACE we've had so far is much lower than 2005. So we have had the number of storms that has been predicted at the beginning of the year to be a very busy season, but they, none of them have really been that devastating yet. I mean, I think, I think our strongest would probably be Isaias just because of its long path up the Eastern seaboard, creating a lot of flooding along the way. As we uh, start to look at these storms moving into the Gulf, I mean, I was just looking at the the maps themselves and the forecast cones. 
they look to be, by the time they get to the Gulf, at least in this in this particular stage of the game, it looks like those cones are, they go, what, 300 miles or so out? Sure. Either yeah, way. and that, that, that is somewhat common. I mean, uh, obviously, we're going to have less certainty the farther out in time that we go very wide. We actually are able to, to position stronger storms better than weaker storms usually. So the fact that there's a wide berth towards the edge of each of those cones, is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, yes, we'd like to know exactly where they're going, but that may also indicate that they are weaker systems. What kind of play that you're seeing any conditions in the Gulf of Mexico or steering winds, anything out of the ordinary for this time of year that you're seeing? This time of year out of the ordinary, uh, yeah, the fact that we we have uh, we have a fairly deep upper level trough that is positioned over the south central United States. And what that means is there's cooler air aloft, um, lower air pressures aloft, and therefore some stronger steering winds aloft as well. It was the reason that we actually had some hail and strong winds in the area yesterday. It's very uncommon right. for mid August. Yeah. Um, but but that trough is expected to drift back to the west near the Texas Louisiana border. And that trough will create a fairly deep southwest to northeast flow in the atmosphere. And and that is something that might be a little more common for later in the hurricane season when we start to have fronts coming through the area in October. So it, it's a reason that we could see some struggles in strengthening. And what is also making it a little difficult to anticipate the ultimate steering of this system because it could be be picked up by that trough and hoisted more toward Louisiana than Texas. So that's one of the reasons why it's got such a, a wide uh, prediction cone. Because that's right. That's yeah. factored in just like just like movement, just like temperature of the Gulf waters. Anything unusual with the temperatures in the Gulf waters? They're running uh, at or slightly above average. They are certainly the, the one factor that these two systems certainly have going for them. Is they, there will be no shortage of fuel, but that's you know that's only one part of a, a four or five main equation for tropical systems. We're visiting with uh, Dr. Josh Eaches, Chief Meteorologist at WBRZ Channel 2 here in Baton Rouge. Been following storms for a number of years. Josh, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that uh, we can expect? Uh, you've already touched on it, I guess, when we have the, the fronts coming through. Are you seeing anything right now that looks a little bit unusual uh, in the continental U.S. that might be affecting those. Everything should be all systems go for us to continue to see a, a fairly high number of storms develop out there. As we say with the long-term predictions, while we have some, some skill in predicting the number of storms that may develop, uh, I think in the last seven or eight years, we've gone like six for eight or seven for eight on getting pretty close on the numbers, but we just have no idea where they're going to form or go or what strength they'll be until they actually do develop. So you have to take those preseason predictions with a grain of salt and understand what limitations they have. But, but I still think we, we have a busy three to four weeks ahead of us, and there's there's nothing that tells me that, you know, we'll be any different than a normal peak of the, the tropical season. You know, there may be some times in September where we see two, three, four out there at once, and we may have to keep an eye on one or two of them as well. I guess we're a little sensitive because we think about this time of year. You already alluded to Rita and, of course, the devastation of Katrina and Wilma. Yeah. And uh, it seems like, what was that one, maybe the year before, that affected northwest Florida, uh, uh, oh, Ivan? Uh, that, yeah. When you look at this and and looking at Louisiana, you, do you get a sense that we are taking these storms a, a lot more seriously and, and some areas maybe we're just kind of blowing them off is no big deal. 
that's you know that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, I, I try to be clear with everybody uh, that the, the degree from LSU, the PhD. Uh, yeah, I have a bachelor's degree in meteorology, but my PhD specifically is in weather communication. So understanding how to best message systems and how people interpret risk and understand storm storm messaging. And one of the greatest challenges we face is something called this is a loose term. This is not a scientific term, but hurricane amnesia. And I do worry that we're getting beyond that point where, where Katrina, which wasn't really a huge deal in Baton Rouge proper, but certainly Southeast Louisiana, and then Gustav, 2008 is a little bit far out of memory. So I, I do worry that there's a little bit of complacency in the Baton Rouge area. That's just natural for that to develop over time. The other thing with that is not necessarily that some people may forget, but it's also that in 12 years, the makeup of our population could have drastically changed. So there's just people here that have not dealt with tropical systems before. I do think one saving grace is that the flood is recent enough that it's probably in a lot of people's memory. So uh, whether we advertise a big wind tropical system or not, people certainly are fearful of the rain. So uh, in Baton Rouge, I think we're still somewhat aware of, of any storm that could develop flooding in our area. Uh, but for coastal residents especially, and it has been a long time since we've dealt with major surge, uh, I, I hope that those in coastal southeast Louisiana continue to understand that um, even, a, even a Category 1 hurricane pres- presents a pretty serious threat and a need to evacuate inland. And we have to watch out for uh, for Laura, certainly now. And <laughs> my, uh, my middle daughter's uh, name is Caitlin Laura, so uh, yeah, I already texted her about uh, being careful of Laura. Got to be, got to yes, be careful. Yeah. So, so, uh, but uh, you know, do you have to wait till, in the case of Laura, gets over land to see whether or not it's like a wet storm versus a wind storm, or how does that work? Well, we'll probably have a better understanding of specific impacts to land come into Sunday when we kind of see these systems uh, a little bit further in their evolution and mature. The most unusual thing between the two right now certainly is is the number of different interactions that will occur between it moving over land and then interacting with a somewhat strange upper air pattern for the time of year and the fact that we've yet to really see much agreement in our forecast models. There's that aspect of it. However, I still remain fairly confident that we are going to have probably a two-day stretch with more active rain than what you typically have in mid-August. So certainly the possibilities for street and board drainage flooding, but that's that's really all we can, can know at this point. I think we need another 24 to 36 hours for both of these systems to clear a few hurdles and start to come together before we'll be able to start to pinpoint some impacts and uh, squeeze that cone a little bit tighter. But again, it, it has another day or two with a few things that it needs to do uh, before we can lock in on that. So yeah. uh, there is still a wide range of possibilities with Baton Rouge being on the far western end of those possibilities for that system. And for the other one, Baton Rouge is kind of on the eastern side of possibility. So um, we may not directly have an impact from either one of those systems, but I think indirectly bring some rain to the area. And then, then eventually perhaps one of them could deliver a bit of wind. But I think rain's going to be the main concern in Baton Rouge. Gotcha. Well, we have uh, the forecast tracks I don't know if you remember this in social media. Maybe this has something to do with that weather amnesia that you were talking about. But some people were getting creative with the maps, trying to figure out, okay, this forecast map is there, the European model, and it looked like one big giant uh, menagerie of of, of markers all over the Gulf. Really is serious business. I mean, people kind of laugh at that in the forecasting. But uh, as you said, we've come a long way in in making sure that... uh, 
most of the accuracy is there. Yeah, and one of the keys is is what I talked about a moment ago is I think it's important for for meteorologists to not uh, overstep their limitations. I mean, it would be kind of silly of any meteorologist to hear three, four days from when we may be dealing with these systems say, yeah, it's going to hit exactly here and do exactly this. It's better for us right now to, to start broad and we'll narrow our focus as we get closer and we get more information. So broadly, you know, for one system, the northwestern Gulf Coast wants to watch. And for the other system, the eastern Gulf Coast wants to watch. Right. And if you're the Baton Rouge area, uh, use it as a good reminder to freshen up your hurricane supply kit and know that we're entering the peak of the season. And we should just kind of kind of get ready and be ready and keep an eye on these two. Uh, well, I know one meteorologist that was specific about Betsy, <laughs> Nash Roberts. Was that just like a total uh, shot in the dark? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to say, not growing up in the area and watching him as a child. Um, you know, I've heard, heard the, the legendary stories. There's no doubt the man was uh, educated and years of experience allowed him to anticipate tropical systems. But he certainly had much less technology to work with. And I, I would say there was uh, a, a little bit more um, guesswork than science involved right. than there is now. But uh, I, I certainly think yeah. he, he knew something and, uh, and knew what he was talking about. So you're not going to be packing up shop and uh, headed over to Gulf Shorts to uh, join uh, Jim Cantori, are you? No, I think uh, my services are requested, required, and needed in studio here at Channel 2 uh, for, for the on-air forecasting end of things. And besides, you don't have those tight shirts to wear all the time. <laughs> no, that's right. I'm not, not as buff. Yeah, that dude, he has to be doing uh, the weight equipment is off to the side when he's uh, doing those reports. Yeah, it must be. must be. Yeah, he's on, you know, he's on the Weather Channel every, every morning, five days a week, and then, you know, special assignment when there are tropical yeah. systems. Hey, Dr. Joshi, just, uh, I, I I really appreciate it. This is such a busy time for you, and I really appreciate the time you've given us. Can you give people uh, an idea, the best way to follow you and to get the latest information just before we get off the podcast here? Yeah, uh, you can check in with me on Facebook and Twitter. If you're trying to get in touch with me directly, I, I see Twitter messages a little bit more easily. That's at D-R-J-O-S-H-W-X, Dr. Josh Weather. And Meteorologist Josh Each is on Facebook. I'll have a lot of updates there. But really, if you are looking for immediate advisories, um, as soon as they are issued, uh, the WBRZ Weather Facebook and Twitter blast them out. We actually get the advisories out even before the National Hurricane Center gets them on their social media, even though that's where the advisories are coming from. But I also do encourage uh, a follow of the National Hurricane Center, the best tropical meteorologists in the world. Um, and and they're, they're a great source to use as well. And, and those are the two I would primarily encourage. Trusted local media, trusted government sources. I would avoid private, rogue, and enthusiast weather accounts that tend to lean more towards hype and less towards uh, stability and, yeah. and calmness. Yeah, especially in social media. There's a lot of yeah. armchair kind of guys out there uh, doing right. that sort of thing. Dr. Josh, I appreciate that. We'll be watching the systems closely. And uh, I know how busy you are. This has been so kind for you to share with the podcast audience. Scott, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I look forward to our next time. All right. Thank you. Dr. Josh Aegis from WBRC, chief meteorologist, checking in with us. And uh, we'll keep an eye on Laura and Marco. Marco. And then the next one's not Polo after that, is it? <laughs> no, but we've already made those echoes in our uh, weather <laughs> I'm office. sure. Uh, thank you, Dr. Josh. Just, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.